Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. Now for hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open Tuesday to Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. If you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my personal favorite, the Oreo cheesecake. They're open Tuesday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. So stop by and visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spumberg Highway in Lyman, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. Today we are on the road again for the Cross the Line Podcast Self-Investment Tour. We went from L.A. and now we are here in New York, the first time here. So I'm super excited and I have a very special guest with me today. She's a motivational speaker. And today I have Miss Christine Capella. Is that right? Capella? You got it right. Yes, ma'am. So how are you? I am great. Welcome to New York City. Thank you so much for having me yes, on the ma'am. podcast. I appreciate you for ha- uh, taking the time to sit down. Let me just go ahead and say that you are by far the nicest New Yorker that I've met already. <laughs> It's definitely breaking that stereotype because, you know, growing up, I always heard, you know, people from New York, they're always rude or in a rush to go somewhere. But you've been more than helpful since we um, since I arrived here already, and even with our conversation um, before I even got here. So thank you so much for being so kind to me. Of course. I'm so glad that I'm breaking the stereotype. I promise you, all New Yorkers are not mean. I promise right. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And uh, it's, it's been... We've been here, I've been here for a few hours already, but the, the thing, my pet peeve is just the traffic already. It yeah. Was just, we left actually an hour early, and uh, my friend, she was saying, well, you know, you need to go ahead and leave an hour early just so we can get there. And I was, I'm thinking, you know, because maybe like five, maybe maybe like 10 miles away. I'm like, man, driving 10 miles, it shouldn't take an hour <laughs> to get there, but I was completely wrong. Like the traffic and going through the tunnel and the tolls. So it's definitely totally different. I'm not sure if you've ever been to South Carolina. I have not. Totally different. But our traffic is really bad. I do agree. But you want to know what allows you to look at everything while you're going slow? Oh, I was was (laughs) taking pictures and making videos. I'm like, man, you see all these big buildings. And uh, we went across. What what did we cross again? Um, The George Washington Bridge? Or no? I don't know if we crossed the George Washington Bridge. The water. uh, The Henry Hudson. Hudson, yeah, Hudson, yeah. So I'm, I'm just taking pictures of all that, making videos because it's where I'm from. My town has three lights in the whole town, <laughs> so it's totally different. Four, if you include the one over by um the Belt um, Distribution Center. But other than that, my town is so small you can get through it just like that. So it's totally different from being at home. But I'm looking forward to being. I'm here for a few more days, so. I'm looking forward to being in New, York, in New York. I'm excited that you're here too. Yes, ma'am. So kind of starting out for people, I know I introduced you as a motivational speaker, but for people who want to know more, like how would you describe yourself? Like who is Christine Capella? Ooh, I feel like that's such like a loaded question because mm-hmm. there's like so many facets, but um, I guess I, you know, I am a motivational speaker, but really at the heart of it, I'm just somebody that wants to impact other people's hearts. Mm -hmm. I have a message on my heart that I want to get out and I want to help people. And that's really who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. 
Would you say you've always been this way, like growing up, like and so enthusiastic? Because I watch your videos and the way you speak and so energetic. Like, would you say you've always been this way about life? I've always had a servant heart. I will say mm -hmm. that. I've, and I think um, the fact that I've been a teacher for 19 years lends itself to that. And that just shows that I've had a servant heart. And now I'm just expanding my reach in a different yeah, way. I commend you for being a teacher because that's... <laughs> I could. I don't think I could do it. Like I, I have three babies, and just those three personalities that I have. So a classroom <laughs> full. That's it's got to be tough. But I, I commend you. Definitely commend you. Thank on that. you. So um, going back a little bit, like how would you how would you describe your childhood? Like what was it like growing up here in New York for you? I actually grew up in Connecticut. I've okay. been in New York for 18 years, and I grew up in Connecticut, and I had an incredible childhood. My parents were amazing, and growing up, I was always around children. I was always like the, mm -hmm. the local babysitter, so that's what ended up leading me to teaching. But my childhood was incredible. It really was. Did you have a... Uh a family of entrepreneurs growing up or were you kind of like first generation? I know you were also a teacher, but as far as like the entrepreneurship side, were you, um, was anybody in your family entrepreneurs? So my mom actually did not go to college, but my mom and my aunt opened up their own hair salon. So, mm. yeah. So that's, that's unique. Uh, cause I always, I talk about it. I spoke about it before. It seems like sometimes the, the children, they they grow up in a family of entrepreneurs. It seems like they always lean. Not necessarily that's always the case, but if they come from a family of entrepreneurs, it's kind of like you grow up being what you what you see in, in that environment. And if not, then you lean more towards the uh, nine to five way. Not saying yeah. anything wrong with a nine to five, but because I, I have one as well. But if you if you grow up seeing a certain thing, you know you kind of already influenced by that. So. A hundred percent. I mean, for my for myself growing up with my parents, it was very, very important for them that I went to school, got an education, went to college. Um, that was very important for them because my mom didn't have that opportunity. And I was the first girl in the family that had that opportunity. Right. So that was very important to my parents. Yeah, Family-wise, I'm pretty much the same way. Like I have an older brother and a, and a younger sister and... Um, my parents, they weren't fortunate enough to uh, to be able to go to college, so they they took out student loans for us to you know, so we were able to go to college. And we all three of us, we have our degrees. Well, now sometimes you know, I kind of feel like I don't know about the <laughs> the decision, even though um, the president he started to forgive some of these loans, but it's still when you have that huge chunk of money of student loan debt, uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful because I met some great friends, but at times I'm like. I'm with you on that one, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so were you always into? Because uh, in, I see a lot of your videos, and you're all you're walking, you're exercising, you, you stay fit. Um, were you always into fitness or, or sports, anything growing up? So growing up, I was into sports. I wouldn't say that I was good at sports, mm -hmm. but I was into them, and I thought that I was good at yeah. them. <laughs> and then, when I was 21, I went through a really bad breakup. Mm. and I didn't know what to do with myself. And so at that time, I really only thought that the way to work out was to go running. So I needed, I needed something to hurt more than my heart. Mm. So I went outside and started running. And I mean, I definitely made myself hurt more, hurt more than my heart, 
because I ended up getting bit by a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of my running career. And then I moved myself into the gym and then I fell in love with the gym. And at that point, um, that was really what started my love for fitness because I realized that when I was in the gym, that was the time that my mind actually stopped racing. And Mm -hmm. I realized that there were more workouts than just running. And would you kind of say that still to this day, like the way is like a stress reliever or it's like a, to some degree, maybe like an escape sometimes for what, if you have things going on in life and you just run and exercise, would you feel like that kind of like is an escape for you at times? A hundred percent. I feel like the mental benefits of working out for me actually outweigh the physical benefits. I've, I started working out when I was 21 and I always tell everybody I was never like an on again, off again, workout type of person. I started at 21 and my rule at 21 was I'm going to work out every day unless I'm hungover at 21. I was hungover a lot. I miss, <laughs> I remember I miss those a, days. Yeah, I miss a lot of workouts. Now at 43, I'm not hungover. And so I'm working out every day. But it's really like that mental piece that is so beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. Did you? Would you say growing up, I know you played sports. Um, you, were, you, you, were, you were interested in sports. You say you're not necessarily great at them. <laughs> but, uh, and you come from, your, your mom and your grandmother had, were entrepreneurs. Um, did you did you know um, growing up like what what you wanted to be or were you still kind of like juggling? So growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, and that was a path that I took because, I, like I said, I was always like the neighborhood babysitter. Mm-hmm. And then this role that I've moved into now that you see on social media really fell into my lap. Um, I would say. It started when I was assaulted in 2015, Mm -hmm. and then it started again really, I would say about four and a half years ago when I started my social media journey. And again, I needed an escape from a bad breakup. I was already into fitness, and I needed to pour my energy into something else. And at that point, I was like, well... I knew somebody that was doing an MLM and did multi-level marketing. And so I ended up joining just to take my mind off of the breakup. I needed my energy in something else. I'm no longer in the MLM or in sales, Mm -hmm. but I fell in love with the personal development and fell in love with being able to impact people's hearts. And so that's really where this journey has taken me. Absolutely. You, you, you mentioned um, you were assaulted seven years ago, which is not even long ago at, at all. Um, what actually like happened to it? Were you like walking or exercising or something? And like, can you uh, talk a little bit about like what actually happened in that incident? Of course. So it was 2015, May, May 3rd, 2015. And I was out with a bunch of girlfriends in New Jersey And it was a normal Sunday, beautiful day during broad daylight. We were leaving where we were. And I always tell people this was not one of those days when anything bad should have happened. We were not in that type of situation. Um, We left and there was a man on the street that was a total stranger. And he was heavily intoxicated. He started aggressively hitting on me. And as you could see when you met me, I'm very little. I'm not I'm not as tall as my Instagram likes to show. <laughs> um, and so he was pulling on me and trying to get me to go with him. 
And my friends were able to peel his hands off of my arm. We thought that it was over. We turned our backs and he came running around behind me, picked me up, threw me over his shoulders, but he was too intoxicated to hold on to me and threw me too far. And so now my feet were resting at his shoulder and he dropped me because he couldn't hold on to me. And I went face first into the concrete. My hands didn't brace my fall, no scratches on my arms. My purse didn't fall off of my arm, nothing. It was my entire face mm. into the concrete and then him rolling on top of me. And um, in the fall, I suffered multiple injuries to my face and to my neck. I had a severe concussion. I had post-concussive vertigo. My sunglasses shattered on my face and I was raced to the hospital. And at that point, I ended up having to get stitches all over my face because this, this part of my face, the part that's attached to your nostril, was actually completely detached. Ooh. My teeth had gone through my lip. My sunglasses had gone through the bridge of my nose, so I needed stitches there. My nose was completely shattered. So I needed two facial reconstructive surgeries that summer. And then I had bone fragments floating in my neck and so then for about two years I went through physical therapy I went through the injections from my neck and it got to a point where there was nothing more that they could do and they told me I was going to need surgery and I looked at them and I said there's no way I'm going to need surgery I'm fine I'm going to be able to handle this pain and then in 2019 the pain got so severe and I wasn't really putting two and two together because at that point I thought that I had put the incident behind me, mm -hmm. but I was wrong. I ended up needing my first spine surgery. And then in 2020, I went back for a second spine surgery because the first one didn't work and I needed a double spine surgery. Mm. So that's, that's the gist of yeah. the last seven years. So, so how do you feel now? Like, like, how does your body feel? And I know you work out and everything, but like, how do you feel? Like, still pain or? I deal with a lot of chronic pain that people don't really notice. I think that there's something about chronic pain warriors that we have built up such a high tolerance for our pain because it's something that we deal with every single day that you almost can't even tell when we're in pain. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I still deal with pain every single day, but I find a way to, to push through. And just like my mantra, get up, get it done, mm -hmm. that's what gets me going every single day. Right. And you, you would never even know it just by looking <laughs> at your videos. Um, that's why I feel like, that's why I love doing this, because, because it gives you a chance, you know, hear someone else's journey. But just seeing how inspirational you are, you would never even think that, you know, something like that would have happened to you. Um, but when that that situation took place like how did it affect you like mentally oh my goodness um so i'm going to take you back to the day that it happened i was in the hospital and they wouldn't allow me to look at myself in the mirror mm. and the very first thing i did when i got home was race to the race to the mirror to look at myself because you know we're all we're all identified by our facial features. Mm -hmm. It's one thing for 
us to age naturally and for our face to change as we age gracefully, we hope, right? Mm -hmm. But it's another thing for it to be completely stripped away from you. And so I remember looking at myself for the first time in that that mirror and I was unrecognizable. Mm. And so that took a massive toll on me. And then I had a concussion. And as you know, with concussions, you're told to just sit, don't move. You can't, you have to be in a dark room. And here, here I am, somebody that uses fitness as my therapy. Mm -hmm. So now I can't do that. And I had post-concussive vertigo. And I don't know if you know what vertigo is, but I honestly... like your dizzies. Oh. Yeah. My mom, she had it a few weeks ago recently. Oh my goodness, your poor mom. I swear, I would not wish that upon my worst enemy. It was... The only way I can describe it is like having the drunk spins Mm -hmm. 24-7. So... I was dealing with all of that and mentally I, I wasn't doing well. You know, I was, I was very depressed and, um, frustrated because I couldn't move and I kept going to my doctors and they would ask me, how are you doing mentally? And I was like, well, I'm not doing well. You're not, you're not clearing me to move. I need you guys to allow me to move. And they all thought that I was crazy. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until my doctors finally cleared me to move and I say I put it in quotation marks because those first few months of movement were not like what I typically would do it was I'd go out for a walk for five minutes and I would celebrate the heck out of that five minute Mm. walk and I was so happy that I went for the five minute walk and the next day I would go for the six minute walk and my mom was walking with me because I was so dizzy and I couldn't I couldn't walk on my own but I celebrated those walks and I celebrated those wins and then I built yep. myself up. Built the confidence. Yep. Did you, were you afraid at the time? Like when you saw your face and saw, saw that you weren't recognizable, like was it the point where you were kind of like afraid to come out at all or were you just ready to just get back to doing what you do? No, I mean, I was definitely afraid because I did not, I didn't look like myself. Um, mm-hmm. And as we know, the world is not always kind to people, right? right? And mm-hmm. so there was that part. Probably had me. people staring. Or- Everybody was staring. And the first things that people would do, they ask, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? And so it was a constant like reliving the moment over and over again. Um, but I also realized, and I think that this is what I've come to terms with in my journey is that sharing my story actually impacted so many people and Absolutely. it also heals my heart. So there really is power in sharing your story. Absolutely. Um, are you still that way now? Cause I mean, looking at you now, you don't even look like you, anything happened to you and respectfully you look, you look great. Thank you. And, um, you don't look like anything happened to you, but are you still that way now? Are you still kind of like self-conscious of how you look in the mirror when you look in the mirror or how are you now? I feel like, thank God for my incredible plastic surgeon, my facial plastic surgeon. She's amazing. So no, Mm -hmm. I'm not self-conscious about that at all anymore. Um, I feel like the scars on my face are very, very minimal. Like I would really have to point them out to you Mm -hmm. for you to be able to see them. And she completely fixed my nose. It's so straight. It's, It's so funny because right before you arrived today my mom sent me a picture that came up in her phone 
because it came up in her phone. It was the day that we had been driving home after my second facial reconstructive surgery. And the picture just came up in her phone and she just sent it to me right before we came, before I met you today. Mm. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, how far have I come? Like, it's, it's wild. Right. Come a long way. Like I was talking about, I mean, it's nothing compared to your story, but like I was saying about um, recording early when I was in the building to, to all the way starting in the backyard to where I'm at now. It's like you come a long way with that progress, but like, a, but I don't want to compare because it's, you went through a lot and uh, that's, that's definitely a tough situation. When you, when all of this happened, did you, did you ever question your faith? Like why me? Or was it like a true test of your faith? Of course. Of, I mean, you, ha- I think that it, I think that any human being is going to ask why me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very normal. I think that's part of the process. It's part of the healing process. You just don't want to get stuck there. And so I constantly ask myself, why me? Why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. Why did I have to go through it? There's still, there are still days when I have severe pain when I ask myself, why me? Right? Like, why do I have to Mm -hmm. go on this journey? But I feel like the path has, and the purpose has started to reveal itself to me as I've taken the steps, especially speaking and sharing my journey. And I realized that there really was a purpose for it all. It was because I was meant for something greater. It's because I was meant to impact people's hearts. It was because I was meant to show people what mm-hmm. they can do in the face of adversity. So as far as the, the public speaking went, um, was this before the incident or did well, the motivational speaking, was that before the incident or, or after? After the incident. The, I, okay. Public speaking is not something that I ever, ever mm-hmm. thought I would do. It's always been my greatest fear. Um, mm-hmm. But I realized that my purpose was greater than my fear. Right. Because your story, like I told you, the, the way I found you was um, through um, a motivational speaker. We both follow was Inky Johnson. And his story is kind of similar. You know, he was a professional. Well, he played football at Tennessee on his way to going to the NFL. And his last year in college, he uh, he had a, a, a career in an injury. Yeah. And he, and he talks about it a lot. You know, had that injury not happened to him, Maybe he wasn't wouldn't even be doing the um, motivational speaking, kind of like similar to your journey. Had that not happened to you, I mean, maybe, maybe it does. Maybe you do fall into that career path, but it's like some of those things that that derail you in a certain type of way. It leads you to do something totally different. A hundred percent, and that's why, like now, I no longer say why me, mm-hmm. and now I can say, now I understand why it happened. I'm grateful for everything that's occurred because it's led me to where I am now. Do you, so you had two facial surgeries and two spinal surgeries? And two spinal surgeries. Two spinal surgeries. Yes. Do you now, when you go out, is there any kind of like uh, paranoia or fear? Like when you walk at times because of like what happened to you? Do you have those moments? I, I will say I don't like being in big crowds. That does worry me. And yeah, I'm like that anyway. <laughs> crowds. I don't like big crowds. And here I am living in New York City where it's like <laughs> the crowdedest city in the world. But um, I do not enjoy being in big crowds, especially because I am so little. Um, 
I do get nervous about just kind of being bumped around because I do still have pain. Um, my neck, although I'm healed, I'm still very cautious, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny, you would think that I'd be more cautious with my face, but I feel like my face is fine. I'm more cautious with my neck. Whatever happened to the guy? Um, did, did, they, did you get an update on like what happened to him after all of this took place? Or So, it's, I mean, it's really a wild story. He ended up taking off and running when he heard the ambulances and the cops coming. Mm -hmm. And the next day, I was talking to one of my friends who had been in the same area that we had been in. And I was telling him what had happened. And I said, you're, you're never going to believe this. First of all, I'm never going back to Jersey. Because, you know, if you live in New York City, you usually don't cross the border to Jersey. That's usually the way mm. that it goes. And so I was joking around with him. I was like, I'm never coming back to Jersey. Look at what happened. And... As I started to reveal the story to him, he was like, oh my goodness, Christine, I think that he was actually at the bar that I was at after your assault. I think he went out afterwards. And I think I know somebody that knows him. Give me a few minutes. I'm going to reach out to my friend and see if I can get his phone number. Lo and behold, he got his phone number. We were able to find him. Um, I end up having to go down to the police and give another statement. I wouldn't say that there was any massive justice in my case. Um, not much, not much occurred. Mm. Is that, um, you know, people talk about forgiveness and saying it's, it's good to forgive so you can heal. It's not, you don't forgive for the other person, it's for you so you can heal and move on. Have you gotten to a place where you were able to finally forgive him or is it something you still kind of like battle with today? I've definitely forgiven him and it took me a long time to get to that space. I will say there are, again, it's those moments when I have severe pain where I, I'm, I'm in bed where I will sometimes still struggle with it. It's like that those moments when I'm in severe pain where I'll ask again, why me? Or I struggle with the forgiveness piece. I'm like, why am I suffering? And nothing happened to him but then i have to reel myself back in and remind myself that everything is working in my favor because right. i i could only i don't know i think it would be kind of hard for me especially at that time because i have two daughters and i have a, a younger sister of course my mom's still alive and it, if something like that happened to them you know i would i would be highly upset so you yeah. know I, it's one of those things where they they talk about forgiveness but it's it's something, man, when something like that happens, it's just, uh, that's a tough, tough situation to be in. It's a very tough situation to be in. But I think about, honestly, like I should have been, in that assault, I should have been paralyzed. Mm. I should have been brain dead. My face should not look the way that it looks, right? So I have to be grateful for... Absolutely for what I, where I am right now and all the things that didn't occur. And then when I went in for the spine surgeries, I escaped paralysis two more times with those spine surgeries. So again, it's sort of like, how can I, how can I be angry or upset when I really shouldn't be able to walk? Absolutely.
do you do this trust is it hard for you to trust people now at all because of stuff like that or like i know you say you don't like being in big crowds but like has that in, in any way um affected like your trust with other people um just because of that i know you have to be more cautious but yeah i definitely have to be more cautious um but no i don't i've always been that type of person where i don't want to let one person's behavior make me think poorly about everybody right like i can't think that all men are bad or all men are going to do the, those things to me, right? Mm-hmm. That was one person, one unfortunate experience that has changed my life, but I can't put that on everybody else. Mm-hmm. What would you say if if at any point was like one of your, your biggest struggles or something that you still kind of constantly battle with today? Honestly, like one of my biggest things that has nothing to do on even with assault was just confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that looking at my social media, you wouldn't even realize it. But again, that's why I love pouring into people so much because for whatever reason, I didn't have very much confidence growing up. There was looking back, there was no real reason for me not to have mm-hmm. confidence, but I didn't. And then I made poor choices dating-wise, and then that broke my confidence a little bit more. But I have built myself up, and I've built up my confidence. And so now that's another part of my story where I love being able to pour into people and help people build their confidence. Let's stick to, uh, with the confidence because, you know, it's, that's something... Um, I think a lot a lot of people battle with. Um, you know, for me, I talk about you know, like I was telling my friends, I was told, telling her, you know, one of the things that I kind of get fearful of at times is actually like, you know, I do a lot of do so many interviews, but it's still I get this kind of like anxiety when I have to you know actually pick up a phone and call somebody at times. That's one of the things I kind of get nervous about. Even when we before we had our conversation, I was a little bit nervous about you know I was like man. I hope she's not stuck up or I hope she's have going to be willing to have a great conversation. But so those are some things that like I, I kind of at times, you know, worry about having that confidence, you know, to actually pick up the phone, and actually call someone, which is weird because I'm we're sitting here face to face having a conversation. Right. But that's one of the things that I, I struggle with. But why do you think people uh, lack that confidence or, or struggle with that? I think that we give up too quickly. Right. Yeah. Think about right the journey that you're on Mm -hmm. and it took you taking that first step and i'm sure you failed a lot of times right plenty of times plenty of times (laughs) plenty of times but you didn't give up you kept going and so because you kept going that builds your confidence and you feel you feel prepared right because you've kept going you failed you've seen some success you failed again you keep going Mm -hmm. and so i think what happens is is that with confidence a lot of times we quit way too early. And then because we quit, we don't trust ourselves. And then we haven't built up our confidence. So it's that it's the ability to keep going mm-hmm. in the face of adversity, even when you fail. Even And it's the littlest things. For me, I mean, I'll speak about my social media journey. When I started, I always like to tell everybody, 
I started and I had never even FaceTimed my parents, let alone like sat there with a phone in front of my face or doing Instagram lives or making videos. I was terrified to do all of it. Mm -hmm. But it was the little steps every single day that built my confidence. And it's the same thing with my recovery after the assault, right? Like I could have chosen to never go back and work out, mm -hmm. but I chose to get up and get it done every single day. I chose to keep moving forward. I kept re rehabilitating myself. I did that after the assault. I did that after every single spine surgery and that built my confidence. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking those little daily steps every single day. Yeah. I, I think for me is, it's it's scary, but it's like like you say, you, you have to keep on going. But a lot of times when people um, try something for a little while and it's not the way they want to, like they give up. But you just still got to keep keep pushing one foot in front of the other. But to me, I, I think even like we were saying with your videos, like that's one of the things I said I want to do more of make those videos. But so I'm so I get in my own head. Like I'm I'm really like my biggest critic. Like I don't sometimes I'm like I don't like the way I sound. I don't like the way I look on camera. So it kind of like prevents me at time from you know making videos, telling people, inspiring people. Even though um, I know I, I know I want to do more of it, but it's like one of those things. Like I'm just so at times self conscious of what I'm doing. I'm like man, I don't know man. I, I just like maybe it's not for me at times. And then I'm like you know what? I still I feel like I want to help inspire other people. You know, chase their dreams. So I know it's something I want to do, but it's just that sometimes they like they lack of confidence, you know, to make videos because I don't like the way I look at times. Oh, I think I gotta have a I gotta have a fresh haircut. I gotta do all this stuff, make sure I'm ready before I look good on make sure I'm looking good on camera before I um before I make a video. But it's to me it's more important for people to hear that message than to you know worry about a haircut. But that's 100%. one of the things I'm just so self conscious of the way I look on camera. That's what kind of like makes me shy away from it at times. Like even when I came here, I was like, man, I gotta have a haircut when I come to New York. I gotta make sure I'm ready because I don't wanna like look crazy on camera. But see, I think that what we forget is that everybody had a day one, right? That's, everybody that's a has a starting point. Yep. And a lot of times we're comparing ourselves to somebody that is so much further ahead, whether it's fitness, whether it's social media, whether whatever it is, right? Like everybody's had a day one, but mm -hmm. we're comparing ourselves to somebody that is so much further ahead in the journey. And I always tell people, cause they'll come to my page and they look at, look at me fitness wise. And they're like, well, I could never have the body that you have, or I could never do what you did. I'm like, well, listen, I've been working out since I was 21 with no days off and I'm 43 now. So mm -hmm. you need to put in the time. You need to put in the consistency. Yep. But remember, I had a day one when I had no idea what the heck I was doing in the gym. And like I said before, I went out for a run and I got bit by a dog. So everybody has that day one. Everybody's got that starting point. Mm -hmm. And we can't compare ourselves to somebody that is so much further along. I think that's the probably the, the, the most dangerous thing. Like a lot of people say, I heard the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. When you look at where somebody is, like you see the finished product, but you don't know what this person been through, what they what they had to give up to get to where they are. You yeah. just look at that finished product. Uh, one of my favorite books that I read um, within the past year was um, Made in America by um, uh, Sam Walton, the, the um, founder of Walmart. And you know, he basically, you know, how he started out, you know, he penny pinch and borrowed money and he traveled and 
went into different stores and pen and paper and just notepad just writing stuff down and taking notes but you would think it's so impossible to build because of, like we look at the finished product yeah. of what walmart is now but when he first started i mean he had nothing you know he didn't live above his means he had children he had to make sacrifices to get to where he, where he is now but when you look at it if you just compare what you're trying to build to like the finished product or what somebody else has you're gonna go down a slippery slope and it's gonna be very dangerous and it, it can hurt you that that's something that can hurt your confidence yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent i think really people just need to start and be consistent with whatever just get it started. is and get started and be consistent every single day do one little thing that is going to move you forward for whatever it is that you're going after, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's that consistency over time that builds you up to where you want to mm -hmm. get to. Oh, the, the, when you said it about taking this one, getting started one step at a one step at a time, it reminded me of um, a motivation speaker, um, Brian Tracy, and he just always talks about uh, eat that frog, attack some of your yes. the, the scariest goals that you have. But he says, you know. Assess yourself, just, you know, write down your goals and just work towards something. And um, at the end of the day, just look at your goals, like figure out what you accomplished today, what you can improve tomorrow. But as long as you're making some kind of progress every day, you eventually you're going to get to where you, you want to get to in, in life. A hundred percent. It's also, have you read the book Atomic Habits? I have it at home. I haven't read it yet, but I have it at home. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You have to read it. But it's all about getting 1% better every day and just doing a little bit more than what you did the day before. And every single day, just that 1% more, 1% more, 1% more. And that's where that's where the momentum happens and that's where you build your confidence. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you do to you know improve um, yourself every day? Like you talk about that, that 1%. What are some things... That you try to do um i hate to say it. i hate saying the word try and um, what are some things that you do um to kind of like improve yourself daily i think a lot of it is it comes down to like my daily rituals mm -hmm. and i'm very i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but i'm very rigid in my routine like my morning routine and my nighttime routine those are sacred for me and i feel like because of that, I'm able to get better every single day. But my morning routine mostly is based around meditating, practicing gratitude, and movement. Mm -hmm. And then in the evening, I also, again, practice gratitude because I think that it's so important throughout the day to look for those things that you can be grateful for Absolutely. because the day the day just comes and hits hits you sometimes right mm -hmm. and you can choose to focus on those negatives or you can say oh wait you want to know what that negative thing happened but something really incredible happened and then at the end of the day i can focus on that to be grateful for as well and i also make sure that i have a downtime where i turn off my cell phone and i just have time for myself and then Every single day, I'm working towards my goals, which mm -hmm. are becoming a, a big, big time motivational speaker, right? I just Absolutely. launched my um, merchandise line. I want to do another line. So it's all the goals and taking the steps and the daily action to get mm -hmm. to where I want to go to. Absolutely. I, I try to stay in my, in my routine, you know, at times. 
it gets thrown off, especially having kids. <laughs> Things can get a little chaotic. Now, especially with my son with football season, um, starting up some football practice and helping coaching, helping coaching also. But the main thing early in the morning is when I get up, um, I, I get up, I write. I write everything that I'm thankful for. I write down, and then I write down my goals. Um, but I'm thankful for my family, my friends, my children, everything that I have. Yeah. And then I always, at the bottom of my paper, I have this saying that I write all the time. Um, I write, I will travel the world interviewing the greatest minds and inspire millions of people. So I make sure I write that every day at the bottom of my page of, after I finish writing everything that I'm thankful for. I write that saying and I, and I look at it um, just to see. And I just, every place that I wanted to travel to, I write everything down. And um, a lot of the places I've, I've scratched off my list. But I always tell people, you know, for me, I think the biggest key for me achieving some of the things that I'm doing is just writing my goals down yeah. because it gives me a chance to like visualize and have something on paper that I can actually see and touch and something that I can actually work towards. So that's been one of my biggest keys. And then I, I try to stay consistent. Do you, do you go back and look at them? Oh yeah. Isn't absolutely. it so cool to like go back and it, say like, oh my gosh, I've done, I've accomplished this. this. I've done this. It's so wild yeah. to like go back. It's crazy. Um, so I have I have a board in my room. Um, two years ago, before I first for the first time I ever got on a plane, I wrote down places that I wanted to travel to. Um, some of them were, you know, it, this was when I was still, you know, my mentors always tell me, you know, if you if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Yeah. So some of the goals, it was something I knew I could do, but some of them I was like, man, I don't know how how it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna try to figure out a way to do it. But I remember writing on the board the places I wanted to travel to. Um, was was North Carolina, which we've been there, go there all the time. I had, I think, it was North Carolina, California, um, Miami, Texas. So I've I've been to it's in a couple more places, but I've been to all of those places. And it's weird, like I didn't know how it was gonna happen, but um, I just figured out a way, and and I made it happen. With the uh, first time I ever went to California, this was crazy. It was because. It was it was last year, and um, I wrote down for my self investment tour. I wanted to go to California, and I reached out to this lady, Miss um, Miss Judy Townsend. She owns Mannequin Madness, so I reached out to her and I asked her would she be interested in sharing her story. And she said, "Hey, listen, I would love to. You know, give me a call when you get a chance." So we spoke on the phone. She said, "Have you ever been to the Bay Area?" I said, "No, ma'am." She said, I'll tell you what. She said, if you want to come to the Bay Area, I have an Airbnb that you can stay in. She said, don't worry about paying paying anything. Well, she said, the only thing you have to pay is the cleanup fee, which was $145. Right. So she gave me an entire Airbnb for $145. And that was how I ended up in all the way in California for the very first wow. time. So it's like you don't, you don't, you're not going to have the answer to everything that you want to do in life. But like I said, it goes back to me, you know, having goals. I write down everything that I want to do. And it's like you said, when you look back on some of the things that you accomplished, it's like, man, this is it's amazing what writing down your goals can do for you. So because you because it gives you something that you can yeah. see and something you can work towards. So I think for, for me, that's the biggest key in the mornings, making sure I write down what I'm thankful for. And then my goals are like what I actually want to do in life. I love that. I love that. And I want to touch on something that you said, like with your goals, you didn't know how it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't know how something's going to happen. Like the path is not clear, but if you want it bad enough, you are going to find a way. There's that saying, either you're going to find a way or you're going to find an excuse, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you've done. And that's what I feel like I've, I'm doing as well, right? And you're just finding a way no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm far from a 
finished product, far from perfect, but I was just willing to, you know, make take those steps in life and take those risks because if you don't, man, you still gonna you'll fall into that continuous continuous cycle and then at the end of the day, you're not gonna feel fulfilled. Right. And so for me, I was like, man, I just have to constantly, and that, and that's something that's that's big for me is because with my self investment tour, I said this in one of my previous interviews. You know, I will write down places that um, I wanted to travel to, and before I even had interviews set up in certain locations, I put a flyer out saying, "Hey, these are the places I'm traveling to." But what's crazy is some of the places I didn't I had no interviews set up or anything, but I'm challenging myself to figure out ways to get it done. So. Um, well, I think when you put your back up against the wall and you yep. have no choice, right? You're yep. going to figure it out. Like yep. you have, you have no choice. Yep. Because I, I didn't have anything planned. Um, well, my friends, I was going to interview her cousin, but as far as that, that was the only, that was the only interview I had up here. Yeah. And then I reached out to you and you, you took the time to come sit with me. But like I said, I, I just try to challenge myself. Um, to figure out ways to, to, you know, do interviews and go to places that I've never been to. So I was like, man, what, like I told you, the only thing, my biggest concern was like getting here before it got cold. <laughs> that, that was my only thing. But it would be nice. I'm, I'm thinking about it now, talking to you guys, you know, <laughs> thinking about coming back when it gets cold, maybe catching a, a, a basketball game. Because I do want to go to um, to the garden at least one time. To, you you know, have to. to. You to, have to. experience to. a basketball game. You'll be able to handle the cold, I promise. Yeah, I just got to make sure I'm bundled up because for us, <laughs> If you if you ever come to South Carolina, you would just think we're we're crazy because down there, if, if we get two inches of snow, we shut everything down. Like everybody, they're gonna run to the store and get milk and bread, and then we just get a little bit of snow. Then we shut everything down. So I know two inches up here is like you just steady going on, yeah, going we just about keep, your day. Keep going. Mm -hmm. So what do you do um, in your time of need? You know, everybody, you know, as a motivator, speak. I know it. Every day is not going to be your best day, and you still have moments where you you may uh, feel down. So, in your time of need, like what what do you do in those time of needs? Is somebody you talk to, or like what do you do to like kind of uh, decompress? With? I feel like sometimes it really just depends on where my head is at. Mm -hmm. But I will take social media breaks, and I'm not afraid to do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people on social media nowadays won't tell you to like take a break right like especially with like this hustle culture like you need yep. to keep going keep going and i know that like my mantra get up get it done is part of that right like i do it's such like a double-edged sword because my mm -hmm. mantra tells you to get up and get it done but at the same time you have to take care of your mm -hmm. mental stability and your mental health and so taking those breaks from social media when i need to I do it and I don't feel guilty about it. I will spend a lot of time with family or I'll reach out to like my parents. Um, and then I've been very, very blessed with the most incredible mentors and I'll reach out to them when I need it and, or my friends. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it's so important to take those, those breaks from social media. I had a moment, uh, I, I spoke about it a few times um, with my, my tour last year. After I finished that tour, I. I didn't honestly. I didn't start back recording until about April of this year. So I basically finished like right around October, and I didn't do anything else until April because I was just like kind of. I wasn't gonna quit what I'm doing. I love what I do. Just kind of got burned out for a yeah. second because, at the beginning of last year, um, 
And right in January, I, that's when I started promoting my book. And then it came released in March of last year, on my birthday, actually. And then right after that, I went on tour for my second, my second self-investment tour. And in like a span of like three, four months, I went from, we went from Miami to Vegas to California. And then uh, I interviewed the founder of Reebok. Yeah. So with all that going on, it was just kind of like for me, I was in a space where like I was trying to like out top the next goal that I've been like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And uh, so for me, it was just like trying to like a comp- trying to outdo the last thing I did. I kind of burnt myself out, like just like I'm in competition with myself. So it's like, man, I came back from came back from. Uh, Came back from Vegas and then shot one more interview in Charlotte and then I just when I got back home I was just like man I'm I'm tired and I just you know shut down I didn't do any recording or anything it was just like I needed that break because it was just me you know just trying to top the next thing that I'm doing it's like understanding like it's okay to be where you are but keep striving but like you said sometimes you need that break from yeah. social media because like when you're seeing everybody like this grind mode or achieving this and this it kind of like uh it can kind of like get in your head and think you ha- you have to keep on grinding to get to where somebody else is in life. A hundred percent. And I definitely think that like you need that time to reset and just take time for yourself because I really do believe that that isolation, so to speak, right? Whether it is like full isolation or just isolating yourself from outside noises does lead to elevation and does heal you and does rejuvenate you so Mm -hmm. i think that it's so important and now honestly i know i feel like this is almost so controversial because nobody really talks about it but i take a a day a week off from social media every single week i think it's important i I think it is too mm -hmm. because (laughs) like i said when you're looking at everything else because because i wish people would be I guess more open about like some of the, the the struggles with entrepreneurship or anything in life. It's just like they it, they make it look like they're just always winning, like they're just making these big plays and they're always winning. But one of the things I I did in the past was like I showed people like yeah you might see me traveling or doing these interviews, but here's some emails where I face rejection where people told me no they can't do it or not interested. So I posted those type of things because I was like man people don't show you like stuff like this on social media it's always yeah. about their them achieving these different goals but it's like man it's every you're not gonna win at everything everything is not gonna turn out your way but it's okay to like pick your head up and keep on going so but you know taking that break from social media is super important it let's is. take a quick break and we'll be right back it's cross the line podcast just a few more questions and we'll get ready to wrap it up now christine you spoke about your journey and, and the the accident that happened to you do you think you would have been a motivational speaker had that not happened to you? I, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like I didn't really realize my power and my purpose and the reason why it all happened until I actually went through my second spine surgery. It wasn't even the first one. It was the second spine surgery that something switched in me when I was actually in the hospital. Like there was, I I can't even explain what happened to me in the hospital. It was so bizarre. My, I, I tried to share authentically 
the mm. journey of my spine surgery and the recovery. And I was in the hospital and this was during COVID. So I was by myself in the hospital. What else am I going to do? Right? right? Like there's always, I was sleeping a lot, but I was also kind of like wired at, at the same time. So I'd get onto my social media and I was realizing that people were very much invested in my recovery and i was mm -hmm. like wow they are they're so they're so curious about what's going on and they're seeing me bounce back from it even in the hospital and i remember having somebody write into me and say do you even realize how powerful you are and i think that was the moment for me where i was like wow like mm -hmm. I'm, in, I'm actually impacting people and inspiring them. And that was a moment that I realized that I had more inside of me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like I, we were talking about the other day over the, over the phone. It's like uh, everything is for a higher purpose. Like the things that we go through, sometimes it's not necessarily for us. It's for other people to see those stories and to kind of like help them get through what they're going through as well. Um, I, I want you to talk about that uh your um your mantra that you talk about um you mentioned earlier get up and get it done like how did you come up with that and then like what does that mean for you so it, that started when i was assaulted and it was a struggle to get up every single day it was a struggle to get up out of bed and i was like okay i just have to get up and i'm gonna go get this five minute walk in i'm gonna get up and get it done right mm -hmm. and so like that's what i just kept telling myself and i would repeat it to myself over and over and over again and then i would continue to say it to myself as i was recovering and then i had to go on for my first spine surgery and i came out of there and i was like okay i I came out of that surgery really with a new lease on life and a lot of gratitude because when I woke up from that surgery, my surgeon was like, if we didn't do the surgery, you would have been paralyzed from the neck down within six months to a year. Mm. So at that moment, not only did I have a massive amount of gratitude, but I was like, okay, now, now there's no holding me down, right? All like right. you're telling me that I should have been paralyzed from the neck down. No, I'm going to get up and get it done. And so every single day, like I was getting up and getting it done. And then again, with my second spine surgery, again, they told me, that I should have been paralyzed when I woke up from that surgery because I had two of my um, titanium screws snap and I had Oof. metal fragments everywhere on my neck. And so again, I wake up from that surgery and I've got like this massive amount of gratitude. So I'm like, you're not holding me down. Like mm -hmm. I'm coming back full force right. and I'm going to get up and get it done. And what I realized was that my mantra transformed my life. And so... What you see actually on the merchandise is my logo that stands for transformation because mm. my mantra has transformed my life. And I know that it can transform other people's mm. lives as well. It's, it's almost like um, things can always be worse, but it feels like you already, you've been through the worst. So you, you, it's like you almost seen it all now. So at this point, it's like you're able to, you know, uh, overcome any obstacle that come your way because like, you know, being faced with almost being paralyzed from the neck down into overcoming that, it's like you have, you built up that confidence and now you can um, overcome anything that really comes your way because of the stuff that you've actually been through. Yeah. 
And I feel like every single time, you know, like there was this preparation, like I kept getting prepared for the worst, right? I, I thought at the time the assault was the worst. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go on for the spine surgery, which is terrifying. And then I, but I was already prepared for that spine surgery because I had already gone through the assault. And then I had to go through the double spine surgery. And I had already been prepared for that from the assault and the previous spine surgery. So I had been prepared all along. Mm -hmm. And there's this saying that um, I heard that the road to paradise starts in hell. Mm. I've heard it also. And... Mm -hmm. I started in hell and I'm digging my way out. What do you want people to take away? Like when they, when they see your videos and hear about your journey, like what do you want people to take away from your journey? I really, really hope that people can, first of all, find hope in my story, right? right. And know that when things seem like they're bad, they're not as bad as what they could be, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was... I should have been paralyzed. Yes, my face was a disaster. Yes, I was in a ton of pain, but it should have been so much worse. Mm -hmm. So always find a way to be grateful. Always find hope. Realize that there is purpose in your pain, whatever you're going through. And I also just want people to realize that they can overcome anything that they're going through. Absolutely. A few more questions. What would you say is the best advice that you've received along your journey? To, to keep, going. keep to, going, to keep going, right? And just to be consistent. And mm -hmm. I honestly think that consistency is one of my strengths. Like you, yeah. you cannot, you cannot stop somebody that doesn't quit, Absolutely. right? Like you are unstoppable if you don't quit. The only person that's stopping you if you quit is yourself. Mm -hmm. So don't quit, just keep going. And you're going, you're going, the person who's more consistent will can outlast a person, somebody else that may be more talented because as long as you stay consistent and you keep grinding, you're going to get to where you, where you want to go. A hundred percent. Um, what advice would you have for others, you know, who are pursuing their dreams? You know, they may not want to be an entrepreneur, but this it's something that they're passionate about and, but they may be afraid or straddling the fence. Like what advice would you give to someone who wants to go after their dreams? Get up and get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You got no other choice. Get up and get it done every day, right? Like you gotta, you have to face that fear because if you stay stuck in that fear, you're stuck, mm -hmm. and you're never gonna know. And I know for myself, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, "What if?" Yep, right? I agree. I agree. Like I, I always say, I would rather look back on life and say, I would rather say, look back on life and say, oh, well, then like, what if? Yeah. What if I did this when I was younger? Or, or what if I took this chance when I had the opportunity? So for me, it's like, I, I'd rather take that chance and um confident in what I'm doing. But at the same time, like if you never step out there and give yourself a true chance, then you, you never know what will happen. Yeah. Um, for you, if you can look back on your journey, like what advice would you give the younger Christine? That's such a hard one because I feel like I I wouldn't change any part of my journey, right? I, mm -hmm. I really wouldn't because it's led me to where I am now. But I would just tell my former self to trust that it's all going to be okay. 
that's all working out in your favor and to just keep taking the steps and trust the journey. Absolutely. And that's, that would be kind of like a, a scary thing for your younger self to understand because it's like you said, when, when something bad happens, you think it's the worst thing in the world. You do. Um, but you got to understand everything is happening for a reason. But, you know, just trust the process. And that's why I said in your journey, faith plays a huge part in the journey because, um, man, without faith, I, got, I can speak for myself. I don't even know if I would be doing this or, or where I would be without faith. But I just, you know, on your journey of entrepreneurship, and sometimes that's what you have to lean on, especially in, especially with your journey. It's like not being guaranteed to be able to walk again or, or use any of your extremities. Like you had to have faith to, you know, yeah. make it through those situations. Yeah. And I think a lot of times with faith, it's, you have to believe something that you can't see, right? And yep. I think that's the hardest part. And especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, like you have this dream on your heart that nobody else can see. It doesn't matter how many times you've explained the dream to somebody, nobody else can fully understand it. Nobody else sees it. It was not put on anybody else's heart. It was put on your heart for a reason. And so you really do have to have that faith. Mm -hmm. Like you said, uh, I think it was Bob Proctor, um, He's passed away now, but I remember him saying one point in time, the the thing with faith and fear is you got to believe in something that you can't see. Yeah. So why not believe in and have faith instead of uh, having that fear to overcome, uh, accomplish things that you want in life? And I remember, um, it's crazy. I, I have a gift for you as well. Um, when I when I wrote my book, um, I remember telling my brother about it. My brother always supported me. I told a few people about it. And um, I told him the name of my book, and uh, it's, I mean, you think that's that's kind of harsh, don't you think? With the title of it being "Elf School: Life Is Your Best Teacher," but I say, yeah. But when you read it, you'll understand um, what it's about. And um, like, and even with articles that came out, they tried to give me a, a little bit of pushback from people that come in on it. But when you read it, you'll understand. But like I said. I knew I was gonna write the book. I didn't know like what it what it was gonna exactly look like, like the cover art or anything. But when I finally got it done, it was perfect. And I remember like Bob Proctor was telling me, um, if you can hold it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. So yeah. after a two and a half year process, you know, I had this vision of you know writing my first book, and then two year two and a half years later, last year, um, I was finally holding my book in my hand. But it's like you just have having that faith and having a vision. And just believing in yourself, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, well, even with my writing, I'll tell people well, everything that I write down is one thing to write down your goals and work towards it, but you got to believe in it. Like, if you don't believe in it, then yeah. there's no point in even writing it down. Like, you have to, whatever it is that you're doing in life, like, you have to believe in it 100%. In my mind, if I really wanted to, I believe I could do open heart surgery, but that's not something that I want to do. <laughs> But I would just believe, I believe I could do it because um, that's just how, I, how I'm built now. It's just, you know, whatever you want to do, write it down, have a goal, have a vision, and just believe in it and with all your heart and soul. You have to. You have to. And I, but I think that that belief is what propels you through on those hard days, right? Mm -hmm. On those days that you don't want to do it, the, day that you, the days that you doubt yourself the most, it's that belief in your dream or that belief in yourself that keeps you going on the mm -hmm. really hard days. So you have to have that mm -hmm. belief. Before I ask my last and final question, I had to tell you about the story. Um, this was, um, this was probably about two years ago, two, three years ago now. And, um, 
just about having faith and believing. Like I was, um, I remember I was working part time, and I was just scraping up money just to uh, make it to my interviews. And um, was driving down to King Street, South Carolina. It's about three hours from where I'm from. And um, I remember me and my cameraman, we hopped on on the interstate, and um, I got a notification about one of my bills um, was almost past due. So I had to, uh, I think it was my phone bill. And um, I remember paying my phone bill. It was like $200. And um, after that, like I probably had maybe like $30, $40 left in my tank. And um, I remember sitting there, and I'm just like, man, I didn't tell my cameraman how much money I had. Like, man, after we get gas, then I'm broke. Like, after that, I just hope we can make it back home. So we get to King Street, South Carolina, and I interviewed this lady named Miss Sulandia Hammond. And I remember I told her about the story as well. It was like she she admired us so much for um, she put us on her Facebook Live because she admired us, you know, driving three hours to sit down and have a conversation with her. And she's a wonderful lady. And um, not knowing my financial situation or anything, I mean, I was broke. I'm just trying to hold on to my last few dollars till, I'm, till payday. Yeah. And I remember after we finished the interview, when we headed back up the road home, she said, "Hey, uh, send me send me your cash app. I want to like help you uh, help you get something to eat or whatever." So, sent her my cash app, and she sent me some money. But I tell people all the time, it's not about the money that she sent. It's the message that she left in it. So she she sent the hunt cash app a hundred dollars, and then in the message that she had left on the cash app, she said, "I believe in you." So that's what because I was really on my in my mind. I was like, "Man, am I really you know doing the right thing?" Yeah. So when I got that message from her saying, "I believe in you," and I still have it in my phone today, it was like, "Man, this lady, this is her first time seeing me in life." And for her to say that she believes in me and what I'm doing, that meant the world to me. So I'm just like, man, that's that's why I tell people like faith is a huge part of your journey. And um, you just got to believe because I was that was one of the days I was like, man, I don't know if this is this is going to work. I, I don't know how many more times I can keep riding like this with just the last few dollars in my bank account. But when she did that for me, that was just like another vote of confidence for me to just, you know, just keep on going and have faith and. And just keep continue to work towards my goals. Yeah, and I feel like, first of all, I got like chills. I almost started crying yeah. just hearing that story mm-hmm. because I think anybody that's been through any sort of hard time, mm-hmm. right? We all have those moments where somebody or something is placed strategically in our life at the exact moment that we need it. Is that mm-hmm. moment where we doubt ourselves the most, where we're ready to give up. And there's a sign from from God, the universe, mm-hmm. whatever you believe in, that tells you to keep going. Keep on going, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's that was just one of the incidents. Yeah. I, I had so many. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna put them in my next book. I already have a title for my next book that I'm gonna put out. But it's oh man, it's it's been so many of those times. Like what, even with like I was telling you about the lady from California, and it's not always don't always you don't always even have to expect people to. to do something for you in terms of money. It's just right. like maybe just a door or opportunity they may have for you that can lead to something greater. But man, it's just been so just many like times. the kindness of people sometimes, right? Like I think that that's a sign. I think just somebody believing in you when you're doubting yourself, like it doesn't have to be monetary. Absolutely. And when people see you working towards something, like if they actually see you out there in the field, like doing something positive and trying to make a difference, that's the one thing I can almost guarantee. Like, if you're working towards something and doing something positive, 
somebody's going to come along and, he- and give you a helping hand and try to yeah. because they want to help you get to where you're trying to go. Um, even though even if they don't even 100 percent see your vision of what you're trying to do. Somebody's gonna come along your journey and help you get to where you're trying to go. So 100%. it's always those those situations. But my my last and final question. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you. Um, this is the Cross the Line Podcast Self Investment Tour. So my last and final question I like to ask everyone is, what does self investment mean to you? Ooh, ooh, that's a good. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good question. But I think honestly, like self investment is pouring into yourself and taking care of yourself whatever that looks like for you mm-hmm. for me obviously like uh, fitness plays a massive role so that is investing in myself i think that investing in my dreams and investing in mentors and investing in going after my goals is self-investment for me investing in my mental health and my own personal development mm-hmm. is investment for me so i think that that all contributes to self-investment absolutely self-investment is the best investment be kind to yourself take care of yourself and it's gonna look different for everybody like you yeah. said but it's so important to um to have that christine i want to thank you again for taking the time to sit with us you are like i said the nicest New Yorker that I've met in my life. So thank you for being so kind and, you know, helping us out. Like you were even willing to help us parallel park. So thank, thank you for that. Because these, these roads are a little bit tight, trying to squeeze they and trying are. to figure out where you're going and with traffic. Because there's like, some angry drivers out here. Like they'll hunk at you in, in no time. But, but before we get out of here, can you please tell everyone how to find you on social media? Of course. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. You can find me on Instagram at Christine Capella. I have started to dip my toe into TikTok. You can find me over there at Christine Capella. And um, on my Instagram page, you can go to my website. And I am launching another line of merchandise coming shortly. And then you can also book a call with me for a coaching session. Absolutely. So thank you again. I really appreciate you for taking the time. Also, thank you to our sponsors, KB's Car Care, Big Ben Desserts, and also Miss Charlene Davis at Charlene's Home Cooking. Please get well soon. I'll be back home to see you when I get back next week. But hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast, Self-Investment Tour. So till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.